Chapter 7 Waitara How many of us have been to Waitara? It's so easy to avoid. 15 minutes north of the brighter lights of New Plymouth, you have to deliberately turn west off State Highway 3 when the traffic's bustling momentum is urging you not to. And even when you think, I am going to Waitara, emphatically, capitalised, underlined, it feels kind of shy about itself, as if it worries life is elsewhere. And you circle in, then out, like somebody changing their mind just before they ask someone to dance. But when Puna Wano Bryant says, come and see me in Waitara, you go. In fact, cameraman... Will Green and I went twice. The first time was a grey weekday afternoon to record an interview with Puna, which we shot at Tawa, the river church on McLean Street, because they've decolonised the scriptures, which matters to Puna. And their website says, we believe in healing and reconciliation for Waitara, and that matters to Puna too. E rau ringa ringa, noroto i te rau kura. Ko taku rau kura, e mana wanui ki te aue. Puna Wano Bryant is a proud descendant of Taranaki iwi, as she puts it, Te Atiawa, Ngati Mutunga and Ngati Awa. She holds an LLB and a BA, Te Reo Māori, film and television, and she spends much of her life trying to respond to the hopelessness and despair of colonisation by telling the truth about what happened, hopeful that if enough of us hear the truth, we'll respond in a way that heals. Puna was chair of the Parihaka Papakainga Trust during its negotiation and reconciliation process with the Crown, which led in part to the apology at Parihaka from Treaty Negotiations Minister Christopher Finlayson that we heard earlier. The Crown took the rich lands of Taranaki and left its people impoverished, demoralised and vilified. That one. Truth, understanding and apology, reconciliation. We're filming the Chaos Price story, and we've come to Sipuna to try to understand why five men, four of them Māori, have been shot dead by police in Taranaki, entire regional population, just 125,000, in the past 22 years. What's going wrong? And how do we fix it? Puna looks beyond us, to the doors. The street that we're on is McLean Street, she says. My house is at Blake Street, and then she lists them, the streets in Waitara named after colonisers, McLean, Blake, Grey, Gold, Brown, Stafford. If you think this doesn't matter, then please don't be someone offended by two Māori words on a chocolate wrapper. History explains the weight of this. Through the 1840s and 1850s, land was being purchased throughout Taranaki from people without due authority to sell it, or in ways utterly contrary to the communal nature of Māori ownership or tenure, and often for way less money than the land was worth, and for occupancy by many more settlers than the purchasers were letting on. So flawed, so opportunistic, so unregulated, so cynical was this purchase process that the Taranaki report, Kopapa Tuatahi, reaches the striking conclusion that, and I quote, 
none of the acquisitions of land in North Taranaki can be seen as having been acquired consistently with the treaty. None. And then there's a sentence that tells us so much about how the colonizer frames the colonized. And again, I quote, Māori were simply coarse or hostile unless they were disposed to sell, in which case they were friendly. By 1859, Wiramu Kingi Terangitake, after whom no streets in Waitara are named, wasn't feeling friendly at all. He'd had a gutsful. Born in Manukorihi Pa, near Waitara, Wiramu Kingi was a Teateawa chief who refused to sell tribal land at Waitara. In early 1859, Thomas Gore Brown, after whom a street in Waitara is named, who had replaced George Grey, after whom a street in Waitara is named, as Governor of New Zealand, received a letter from Wiramu Kingi telling him, and I quote, I will not agree to our bedroom being sold. I mean Waitara here. For this bed belongs to us all, and do not you be in haste to give the money. If you give the money secretly, you will get no land for it. End quote. But Te Tera Manuka, another Te Ateawa chief, without tribal mandate, without individual ownership, without title, did offer to sell a block of land. Kaupapa Tuatahi describes what happened next. The governor directed the survey of Tera's peace as though it was legitimately severable. Tera's peace was a figment of the imagination. It was impossible to cut out, I'm still quoting here, by so gravely misinterpreting Māori law and Kingi's determination to uphold it, the governor was expediting the crisis, end quote. The crisis became war. On March 4th, Governor Brown instructed Lieutenant Colonel Charles Gold, after whom a street, you guessed it, in Waitara is named, to occupy the land. Again, Kaupapa Tuatahi tells us what happened next. I quote, On the 17th of March, 1859, Gold marched his troops to Te Kohia Pa and demanded that Kingi and his people surrender. When they refused to do so, the troops opened fire. End quote. 163 years later, Puna Wano Bryant looks out the door to the streets of Waitara some named after men involved in what Kaupapa Tuatahi calls that unlawful attack. Others named after men responsible for the land confiscations, almost 1.2 million acres taken, and tells me what it means to live amongst their names. Listen. What are those messages that those street names are telling our young people, our rangatai? Like Chaos, like Stephen like the five young men who are of this place, what are, what are those symbols telling them? What are they telling them? That they don't exist, that their Māori tanga does not exist. The identity as te Atiawa people of this place doesn't exist. And, and even if, even if you, you think you're proud because you, you play league for Waitara or Clif, rugby for Clifton, that actually you're worthless. We've wiped your identity off the land. We've taken the land underneath it. And you have no right to put your symbols up on the land. And so we reflect what the world tells us. If the world tells us we don't belong and we don't exist, then we behave accordingly. And, and so that's the, 
the mamai that you see walking around these streets every day. And it's a blessing to live at home in Waitara, on my whenua, um, but it's also a burden because you see the pain in our young ones walking around. Puna Wano Bryant in Waitara. Sometimes I read the comments when Taro Hiringa Brown does the weather on the One News 6 pm broadcast. It's important to acknowledge, as some of the reporting has not, that the vast majority of the comments are positive. Some people are proud, others delighted by her virtuosity, the remarkable ability shared by many of my Māori colleagues to weave back and forth between languages, even within the same sentence. But some of the comments are vile and they hold to a mean narrowness. If Te Rauheringa says Te Waiponamu instead of the South Island, while standing next to a map of the South Island, repeating the same country's weather in the same geographic order as it's occurred for decades, in what way does that exclude anyone other than those determined to be excluded? Now... Imagine if that land or part of it had been your place in the world, Ko'o te whenua, ko te whenua, ko'o. I am the land, the land is me. Or your hapus, or your iwis, your turangawaiwai, and it had been taken from you by force, or a unilateral and treaty-breaching process of legislation, or by unfair and opportunistic purchasing, and you were asked to live with the names of the people who did that, how would you feel? As if you don't belong, as Puna said? Dispossessed and disenfranchised, as Dinny said? Like your heart was pierced, as Peter said? It's evening now. Will is filming Puna and I am learning, learning. The whole history of government dealings with Māori of Taranaki has been the antithesis to that envisaged by the Treaty of Waitangi, Kopapa Tuatahi tells us. While time can soften hurt, the hurt in Taranaki has not been allowed to mend, that great report says. Do enough of us know that? Did I? I have been a slow, dull student. And what of the people whose colonised lives these have been, who have lived poorer, who have died younger, who were more likely to leave school early and end up in prison, and who see Pākehā getting incensed about two Māori words on a chocolate wrapper? Kopapa Tuatahi tells us the human toll, I quote, With deep emotion and hurt, older Māori recall the drunkenness and despair that followed the land loss, and they recall the people's degradation. End quote. Seagulls, Puna Wano Bryant says, that's what Tohu and Te Fiti used to call our people. Seagulls. Te Fiti o Rongomai and Tohu Kākahi, after whom no streets in Waitara are named who established and led the pacifist community at Parihaka and whose peaceful opposition to Raupatu in the face of terrible and violent provocation is one of the most remarkable stories in our history. Why did they call their people seagulls? 
because we're landless, Puna tells me. You know what it's like when the seagulls are on a rock and the waves crash against the rock and they all take off and then they're looking for another place to land. They need a safe space to land, said Puna. Later, when we finish the interview, we head down to the beach at Waitara. Will is filming Puna and I am talking to her dad. There are seagulls, almost as if they know their role in this part of the story, swooping in as if searching for something down towards us, barking that strange cry, then up in the cold wind, up, up, away from the land. The next morning early, we go to visit Puna and her whanau at home. There are three children there, all bilingual, all highly articulate in both te reo Māori and English. I feel admiration, pride and envy, as I always do. I think back to Wellington College, where I studied French and Latin, and did miserably at both, and wish I'd been better equipped by my education to participate in this world. But no excuses any longer. My responsibility is the effort. Puna tells us we can do this if we try. She says our focus and attention needs to come back to those who are the most disconnected. And it's hard. We try in the iwi space to connect to those who are lost, who are walking the streets and who see all the cool iwi stuff going on, but just don't see themselves in it. So we've got to meet them where they are. Unbreak the broken. Yes, Puna, yes, our responsibility is the effort. Once, out of nowhere, my daughter said to me, Dad, a candle that lights another candle doesn't go out. Did she mean that by lighting another candle your flame burns on after you're gone? Or did she mean that lighting another candle doesn't diminish your flame, it just creates more light? Both interpretations speak to the best we can be. I think of that as Will and I pack up the camera gear and head from Waitara to the airport. I think of Tim, my beautiful best friend, and all we saw and learnt together. I think of my own journey still unfolding from ignorance to the beginning of a belated understanding. I think of Punas whanau, and of Tim and Catherine's daughter, and of my children and all our rangatahi, and the country they're growing up in. I think of chaos and how his life ended right here in Taranaki, age just 22. A seagull who could never quite land. And Parihaka and the ploughman and Dinny and his dad and the hurt that runs through generations. And I think of how all our candles can burn if only we make the effort to let them. Mm-hmm.